The reading will be from Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. So we have been making our way through the book of Galatians this fall, and over the past several weeks we've been focusing particularly on the idea that the Spirit produces fruit within us, that there is a new life that is birthed in us when we follow Christ, and that the Spirit bears this beautiful fruit in us, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are the signs of renewed life for disciples of Jesus. And how much greater are these fruit? than the the work of the flesh. How much greater, how much more beautiful is love over hatred or joy over despair? How much more beautiful is peace over conflict or patience over irritation or kindness over apathy, faithfulness over irresponsibility, gentleness over harshness? How much more beautiful is self-control over self-indulgent? And how much... More beautiful is a community that embraces these things. Last week, Pastor Paul talked about how the fruit of the Spirit transforms our relationships, transforms the community of the church. And so now we love one another. We serve one another. We take responsibility for one another. We restore one another when we sin. There is a beauty that the Spirit works in us and through us and creates a community that reflects this beauty. But here's also the reality. This fruit isn't produced instantaneously. This community isn't built overnight. It's a slow process. It's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's a slow process. So here in verses seven through 10, the Apostle Paul, after spelling out this description of this beautiful life in the spirit, he reminds the church of an important truth and then highlights a couple difficulties. See, Paul is now encouraging, he's urging, he's nudging them, saying, hey, this is what this life looks like. Now, I want to push you even further towards it. So a truth to remind you about, and then two challenges that you need to be aware of that will keep you from walking by the Spirit. So here's the first truth. This is what he reminds them up front in verses 7 and 8. He reminds them of this principle of sowing and reaping. He writes this, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So there are certain universal principles or laws that are at work in our world. So recently I was 
uh, talking with my world religions class at Bellevue University, and we were reflecting on what, what are reasons people would actually believe in God? What, what are the arguments for God's existence? Why would people even be religious? And one of the strongest arguments is the fact that our universe is ordered, that there are certain physical laws that bind the physical world together, and that these laws are consistent. So you consider gravity. The law of gravity is something that is measurable. It's consistent. We don't, as we're walking throughout our day, there's not this hiccup of gravity where we all just all of a sudden float for a moment and then come back down. How cool would that be? But it doesn't happen because there's an ordered principle. And these things allow us to do some incredible things. I mean, if you think about the fact that we shot a two-ton, like, exploratory vehicle tens of millions, hundreds of millions of miles away to land on Mars. The reason we can do that is not just because of really, really cool math. It's because there are certain physical laws that govern our universe. And if those things aren't constant, then the math is useless. And the same is true, not just in the physical world, but also sort of in the moral and spiritual world as well. There are certain principles. And this is what Paul is pulling on. He uses a metaphor... Uh, an agricultural metaphor, that if you sow seed, if you plant seed, it is going to produce something. And so he says, this is how it is in our lives. You reap what you sow. How you live your life is going to produce a particular result. And you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be religious to recognize that this is true. Like depending on how you live your life, it is going to produce a particular result. If you work hard, you're going to experience success. If you're lazy, no success. If you treat others nicely, you're going to actually have good relationships. If you are a jerk all the time, you won't have relationships. If you eat healthy and you exercise, take care of your body, you're going to experience physical health. If you just eat junk food all day and sit around, that is going to have an effect. If you spend your money wisely, you won't go into debt. But if you spend it recklessly, there's debt. You reap what you sow, and you can't violate these rules any more than you can violate the law of gravity. Look, yeah, you might want to jump off a 10,000-foot cliff and think, wow, this will be fun. I'll fly. You're not going to fly. It's the same thing in life. We can try to violate these principles of reaping and sowing, but it won't work. And so the old saying is certainly true. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Paul then takes this truth, this way that God has ordered the world, and he applies it to the contrast of walking by the flesh and walking by the spirit. If we sow to our flesh, we will reap corruption. This word corruption carries the same idea as the word decay. It's a slow breakdown. It's a slow deterioration. When we sow to our flesh, when we sow to our sinful nature, there is a corruption that takes place. So when you sow to sexual immorality or you sow to anger and jealousy or envy, when you sow to pride, when you sow to greed, when you sow to using other people for your own selfish ends, that causes corruption. And look, whether or not you outwardly experience the negative effects of that, it is corrupting your soul. It is deteriorating your soul. 
and it will ultimately lead to death and judgment. You cannot escape this corruption if you are sowing to your flesh. Sin is eating away at your very life, and it will lead you to the grave. But if we sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit we will reap eternal life. If we are sowing to the Spirit, then what is going to be produced is going to be this life that God has given us. And so every time you and I put our faith in Christ, we're sowing to the Spirit. When we turn from our sin and we repent and we follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, that is sowing to the Spirit. Every time you and I are going to the Lord in prayer, we're sowing to the Spirit. Every time we are going to his word to be shaped and transformed, we're sowing to the Spirit. Every time we gather to worship, every time we get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and we confess and say, hey, I'm struggling, will you help me? We're sowing to the Spirit. Every time we love and we forgive one another, every time we serve one another, every time we disciple and we restore one another, we're sowing to the Spirit. And what is God doing in the midst of that? He's working eternal life in us. He's transforming us from the inside out. And there's this beautiful life that is at work in us. And so here's how this works. It, it, those of you that have maybe grew up on farms or ever had um, like harvested a crop, if that crop is edible, here's what people often do. They'll go and they'll harvest the crop and while they're doing it, they're eating it. And so let's say you go harvest blueberries. And as you're harvesting those blueberries, you're, you're taking in a crop that's going to be eaten later and experienced later, but as you're doing it, you're eating some. This is how the Christian life works. As we sow to the Spirit, we experience some of the benefits of the Spirit now. The fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, those things we experience now, but they're also going to produce a full harvest someday later. And so it's life now and life in the future. See, eternal life isn't just duration, it's also quality. And so sowing to the Spirit right now produces eternal life right now. And the metaphor that Paul uses here is spot on. Sowing, if you've ever done it, if you've ever tried to grow something, sowing takes time. It is a slow, day-by-day -day commitment it is a slow process of sowing to the Spirit. Look, the fruit, the life that the Spirit produces isn't Instafruit. I mean, can you imagine picking up a package of Instafruit at the, at the grocery store? Like, what kind of weird chemical combination would that be? Throw it in the microwave and you have fruit. I mean, who would want to put fruit in the microwave? Anyway, that's a dumb illustration. But we recognize this artificial growth is not good. Like, okay, GMOs. How about this? GMOs. We, we, we don't like GMOs in our fruit because there's something weird about, hey, this isn't healthy. This artificial substance making these things grow, it, it isn't right. It isn't natural. Why would we think our spiritual life would be insta-growth? Because what kind of life would that be? Would it be deep and profound and meaningful and transformative? No, the metaphor is apt. God in his wisdom has ordered the universe, has ordered our spiritual life in this way. You sow, and in your sowing, deep spiritual life is permeating down into the very depths of your soul. 
planting deep, deep roots so that when life is produced, it's life that is grounded with depth, life that withstands the struggles and trials and temptations, life that can withstand suffering, life that celebrates the glory of God no matter what. That doesn't happen in an instapot. That takes time. Sowing day by day, day by day, day by day. And as we do that, the Spirit is at work. Sowing to the Spirit. So the question for us right here is, what are we sowing to? What are we sowing to? What are you sowing to in your life? What are you sowing to in your relationships, whether it's in your marriage or with your kids or with coworkers or with neighbors? What are you sowing to in your work and how you spend your money and how you spend your time? Are you sowing to your flesh or are you sowing to the spirit? Are you, is the trajectory of your life leading to corruption or is it leading to eternal life? There's a principle at work and Paul lays out that principle for us to recognize. But here come the threats. Here come the threats. And there are two in particular, deception and discouragement. Deception and discouragement. In verse 7, Paul says, do not be deceived. Here's another translation for that. Do not be stupid. Do not think the principle of sowing and reaping doesn't apply. Like I said, if we don't think the, the law of gravity is in place, that, that isn't someone being cool and edgy. That is someone being stupid. It's the same thing when we approach the principle of sowing and reaping. We can do stupid things when we deceive ourselves, when we tell ourselves that this doesn't apply. So back in the spring, Mindy was out of town, and, and when Mindy goes out of town, oftentimes I just don't make the best decisions. Um, and so I thought, hey, Friday night, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order one of those like, family meal deals from Pizza Hut, where it's like a medium pizza, like 12 breadsticks, and like a whole thing of Cinnabon. And I thought, yeah, why not? I'm by myself. Good decision. I was deceiving myself thinking I could eat that whole thing. I, I was lying to myself. I mean, the things that you do, yeah, like I needed a medium pizza and 12 breadsticks. How often, though, do we convince ourselves, if I do this thing, it won't have a negative effect? If I sow in this way, it, it's really not going to hurt. I'll be okay. I'll survive. And here's what this verse says that not only are we deceiving ourselves, but we're actually mocking God. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We can't bypass what God has established. The word mock means to turn your nose up, to, to arrogantly disregard, to say, no, you can't do that and that doesn't apply. You see, when we deceive ourselves or when we allow ourselves to be deceived, we're mocking God. We're, we're, we're saying God what you say and what you established, that, that doesn't apply. That's not true. And so we can mock God when, when we see what he has said to avoid and do it anyway. We can mock God when we don't believe that our sin is going to have consequences. We can mock God when we think we can manipulate him with our religious performance. Hey, if I do enough good, then he'll forget about all these other things over here. 
Or, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here and sin, but I'll make up for it by going to church like four weeks in a row. Or I'll give money. Or, or I'll do this good deed for someone. That's mocking God. That, that is turning up our nose and saying, God, the order you've established, the way that you have purposed this world, I'm going to find a way around it. The rules don't apply. And I wonder, even those of you who are believers in Jesus, how often do you see in God's word, do, do you hear from your brothers and sisters in Christ, do you f- feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you do it anyway? That's mocking God. That there's no way to sugarcoat it. It's mocking God. And when we do that, when we deceive ourselves in that way, what are we doing? We're sowing to our flesh. We're complicating and frustrating the work of the Spirit in our lives. Yes, if you are in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. Yes, the Spirit is still at work in you. But believer, How often do you experience discouragement and frustration because you are sowing to your flesh? How how much of your, maybe you're saying, I don't feel near to the Lord because you're sowing to your flesh. How how often do you feel double-minded and unstable in your mind and your emotions because you're sowing to your flesh? Look, I'm not saying that's the only reason those things are happening, But how much of it is being caused by that? And when we sow to our flesh, we are not living in the fullness that God intends. We're not living in the fullness of love and the fullness of joy and the fullness of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. We're not living in the fullness of the freedom that Christ has purchased for us. Do not be deceived. Let us not deceive ourselves and let us not allow others to deceive us. Let's stop minimizing our sin. Let's stop sowing to our flesh. In addition to deception, we also face discouragement. In verse 9, Paul writes this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So let's be honest. Doing good is hard. That's why a lot of people don't do good because it's the harder path. It's not the easier path. Sowing to the Spirit isn't always easy. It often involves dying to ourselves. It's crucifying our flesh, as Galatians tells us. It's dying to preference. It's dying to comfort. It's dying to our own sense of status. It's setting aside performance and trusting in the Lord, walking by faith, rather than trying to control things for ourselves, resting in our identity in Christ, rather than trying to earn an identity for ourselves. This can be difficult because so much of our world and even our hearts are telling us the opposite. And then when you jump in to try and help people, when you try to do good, people are messy. Look, you're messy. I'm messy. And people try to help us and it frustrates them. None of us are easy to deal with. Let's just be honest, okay? None of us listen to someone every single time. And so when you live a life of serving, when you live a life discipling other people, when you are emotionally invested, that's hard and tiring and wearying. 
and it often makes you want to give up. It often makes you want to pull back. It often wants to make you to shrink your life down to just your own concerns and your, just get through my day and do my tasks. And when that happens, we stop sowing to the Spirit. We stop walking by faith. We stop living in the fullness that Christ intends for us. And look, the Christian life is supposed to be hard. In fact, the Christian life is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. Like if your Christian life doesn't require the Holy Spirit, it's not the Christian life. It might be religious, but it's not the Christian life. And so the truth of what Christ has called us into should drive us back to the Spirit, drive us back in dependence on him. It should cause us to say, I need to be sowing to the Spirit in order to be strengthened, to be faithful to what God has called me to do. And so I wonder how many of you, if you're honest, would say, Look, I've been sowing. Where is the reaping? I've been sowing. Where is the harvest? And some of you have been. Some of you have been faithfully sowing to the Spirit. You're faithfully sowing to the Spirit in prayer and in the Word and in worship. You're faithfully sowing to the Spirit in the way that you love and serve and disciple one another. You're not backing off. And it's okay to admit that sometimes you get tired. It's okay to admit that this life, it, sometimes it's wearying. We can be honest, but there's also hope here in verse nine. In due season, we will reap if we do not give up. The promise is, is that we will reap. The promise is your sowing's not in vain. What, what, what you're doing is not empty. The time of harvest is going to come. There will be a reaping. Fruit will be produced. The eternal life at work in you will pour out into eternal life experience forever. And why do we have confidence? We have confidence because our sowing is not our sowing. Our sowing is something we do on ground that has already been sowed upon by Jesus. You see, here's the great hope that you and I have. Look, before you and I even had an inkling to sow to the Spirit, when we were full on sowing to our flesh, when we were all in with our flesh, Jesus Christ came into this world. That's what we celebrate this week. Christ coming into our world. God the Son becoming man. And what did he do? He took on human form, took on human flesh, and he entered into our sin. He entered into our pain. He entered into our mess. And he sowed the seeds of salvation. He sowed the seeds of defeating evil and oppression and corruption. He sowed the seeds of defeating your sin and mine. And he did that by dying, dying upon a cross, taking the punishment you and I deserve. The judgment that you and I deserve for sowing to our flesh was put on Christ, but he was resurrected in victory. The seeds that he planted, boom, resurrection victory, new life. And here's the truth that the Bible declares. The seeds that Jesus planted, that that his resurrection was sort of the first fruits of, is going to be this incredible harvest from people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Like Jesus did not sow dead seeds. He is going to have a harvest. And you and I are a part of that. You and I are a part of that in our own lives, and you and I are a part of that in sharing the gospel with other people. So our labor is not in vain. 
Our work is not in vain because Christ has already done the work. He's won the victory. He's given us the power. And if that is true for you and for me, that means that in due season, we're going to reap. As we sow to the Spirit, we're going to reap from the Spirit. This isn't empty. So keep sowing. Keep sowing. Keep sowing in faith. Keep believing in Christ more and more every day. Keep trusting in him. Keep trusting in his work and his love for you and his faithfulness and his power. Keep going to him in prayer. Keep going to his word. Keep coming and worshiping. Keep confessing and being renewed in repentance. Keep serving and loving each other. Keep discipling one another. Because in due season, you're going to reap. There's going to be a harvest. God is at work. And so keep sowing. We also sow, not only because we have this hope, but because it is also the time for sowing. Here's what verse 10 tells us. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So on the surface, this appears to be saying, every time an opportunity arises, do good. Okay, fine, that's, that's good, but it seems a little bit too reactive. Okay, I'm just kind of doing my thing, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's an opportunity, I should do it. Or, or maybe we're thinking, well, I'm just waiting around for an opportunity to present itself. This is some, saying something much bigger. So, so here, here's what we need to recognize. The, the term opportunity here is literally translated in the Greek at the proper time. And the word time here, Paul uses the word kairos, which is a little bit different word for time. It means season or age. The word chronos means like an exact moment, like a day or an hour. Kairos is a season, an age. It's bigger. And so what he is saying here is this. As we have opportunity, it, it doesn't mean when there is a moment in time you can do good. Rather, it is at this time, at this season of opportunity. He is saying at this time in history is the time to sow. Right now is the time to sow. Why do we sow? Because right now is the time to sow. Again, those of you that work in agriculture, you know there's a time to sow and there's a time for harvest. And if you try to plant when it is time to harvest and you don't sow when it's time to sow, you miss opportunities. As we have opportunity, now is the opportunity. Look, there will come a day where we won't be able to sow anymore. There will come a day when sowing is over and it's time for harvesting. And yes, praise God for that day. But here's what that means. That means no longer an opportunity to step in and love your friend in their brokenness. No longer an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. No longer an opportunity to mourn with those who mourn or disciple or restore those who have been broken by sin. Look, this, this season that we're in, yeah, it's painful and it's hard, but it's also beautiful in unique ways. It is a time to sow to the Spirit. It is a time to give our lives and do good Here's what often happens. We, we look past this time. How, how often in life do we look past the moment we are to the moment in the future, and then we end up missing the opportunities in the present? 
I mean, parents, and especially those of you that have older kids, how, how, how often would you like, man, I wish I could get that moment back. You actually wish you could go back in time. But, but in the time, you were kind of looking forward. Man, what, what, what happens in five years from now when they're not, you know, causing the problems that they're causing? Well, we often just look ahead and we miss that in this moment, we have a unique opportunity. And that's what Paul is saying. This is a unique opportunity to sow. And so let's sow. Let's do good. Let's do good to our brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost. But let's also do good in this world that others may know Jesus. And so this principle of sowing and reaping. Church, I want us to be a church defined by the fruit of the Spirit. I want us to be a church that sows to the Spirit consistently. And that eternal life that God is working in us overflows and it affects this community and affects the way that we live in this world. So let's sow. Let's sow because we have hope. Let's sow because it is now the time. Let's not deceive ourselves. And church, for, for us to be this kind of community doesn't happen by being passive. We, we, it doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't happen when we just sort of sit back. No, we need to be active. A sower sows. A sower goes out. A sower puts forth the effort. And so church, let us be committed to this, but let's also remember that the spirit is at work. And we do this not in vain and without hope, but with great hope. And so as you celebrate Christmas this week, as you celebrate Christ coming into the world, I want you to be mindful that because Christ did that, man, the life that you're living now, the sowing that you're doing now, is worth it. And in the end, there is going to be a wonderful, wonderful harvest. And so let's celebrate that. Amen?